0: Welcome to My SoCast Life, the show where we read our real life diaries while rewatching that diary of our souls, My So Called Life. Oh, it is good to be back. My name is Matt Brown.
1: And I'm Kat, and I'm thrilled to be back at the uh I don't know, in With the
0: podcasting couch.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Back on the podcasting couch.
0: Anything uh, cool happened to you while we were on hiatus or
1: you know, I had a uh,
0: little this, of this, this baby, a little of that <laughs> baby here, baby there, <laughs>
1: baby here, baby there. Gotcha. Yep.
0: Yeah. How's the baby doing?
1: Uh, he is great. Uh, he's so cuddly
0: and fun. Were we, um, we were hoping to maybe get him to make some comments at the start of the episode here. He is actually out on a walk.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> amazing that
0: you let him go do that alone already. <laughs> it's only been a few months, a few months that he's been here, but whatever. He's,
1: uh, you know, he's pretty good at walking. I yeah. figure, uh, 10-week-old babies can hang out at
0: the coffee shop by themselves. (laughs) So not only are we we back, but we're actually uh, kicking things off here with arguably, well, not the best, a lot of people probably would call it their favorite episode of My So-Called Life, but certainly one of the most intrinsically fascinating episodes of My So-Called Life. It's Life of Brian, which originally aired on November 10th, 1994. And it is, of course, the first episode where the writers' room twigged to the fact that they could jump to someone else's internal monologue. And, of course, who who would pilot that program but our dear friend Brian Krakow. Indeed. Who has a an internal voice as thunderously complex as our beloved Angela Chase.
1: That he does.
0: And as we've been going through this season, um, I have reflected frequently that I'm having problems with Brian this time around um this episode uh, both exacerbates and i think uh mitigates some of my problems with him. like it's it it everything that's been concerning me it all happens here yeah <laughs> so, so you know and, and like right down to the fact that that literally the first thing we see brian do in this episode he is spying on his neighbors through yeah. his telephoto lens
1: yeah, you know,
0: oh we, Brian, oh Brian, which again in '94 must have kind of seemed like sort of a cutesy. Oh yeah, the, he's interested in their lives, but
1: yeah, now he, that I've
0: been kind of profiling him as this this psychopathic gamer gator in the making, <laughs> it's like oh god, Brian,
1: poor Brian, poor Brian. I like to believe that Brian's friendship with Ricky saves him from becoming <laughs> yes. a future gamer gator. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. I think Brian's friendship with Ricky is is one of the definite. Uh, mitigating factors that, that one would hope will blossom into sort of some emotional self-awareness down the road somewhere.
1: One day. And
0: and even in this episode, and we'll get to it towards the end, but even in this episode, there is certainly a suggestion of some emotional self-awareness yeah. that he's never really had before. Like by the end of this, he's he kind of levels up, to use a Gamergate phrase, because <laughs> I'm a gamer. I just came from the Warcraft movie. It's terrible. Is it? It's unbelievably terrible like it's almost <laughs> not recognizable as a film so
1: oh man yeah
0: it's too bad I uh.
1: didn't realize that it was based on a game when I saw the mm-hmm. trailer mm-hmm. but then when I saw the title I was like I recognize that word from things people say about games yeah. so yeah. then I was like oh it's probably based on a game and then I was kind of curious about it, Mm -hmm. kind of interested.
0: Some of my friends uh, were Warcraft players for for quite some time. They don't play it anymore, but they felt a personal obligation to the franchise to go see the film, and I was like, oh, screw it, I'll go with them. Big mistake. Terrible (laughs) way to spend uh, a portion of your your weekend. Um, I will say two things about the Brian voyeurism moment, um, because I do think it is interesting for a variety of reasons, but there are two things right off the top. The first is that, you know, because this is television, he is of course spying on their ground floor, watching them get ready for a day, you know, have breakfast in the kitchen and so on and so forth, the the obvious inference would be that he's also perfectly capable of looking into their bedrooms.
1: Definitely. yeah. Especially since he's actually spying from the second floor of his own yes. house. So yeah, absolutely. presumably his better view would be of their bedrooms. Yeah,
0: you'd think. <laughs> now, I was thinking about this on the way over, though, and the thing that I, I will give Brian the benefit, it's not quite the benefit of the doubt, but based on what we know about Brian, I do actually feel like if he pointed that camera through Angela's bedroom window or saw Patty and Graham making out, he'd be so embarrassed and so kind of affronted by the humanity of it that I don't actually think he'd be capable of spying. Like I don't think Brian is psychologically mature enough yet to spy on sexual behavior. I think, I think he'd you're run right. away like he yeah. just and he'd spend the rest of his life pretending he'd never done that
1: <laughs> yes because <laughs> he's
0: because that's who brian is um but I, the thing that i thought was interesting is that he's you know we hear his voiceover and he's talking about how he imagines just life is so much better at the chase household and they eat you know unbalanced meals and and, so on and so forth.
1: yeah i loved that whatever the phrase was about how uh They probably have conversations that don't have a deep symbolic meaning.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And I think that puts an interesting kind of spin on his relationship with all of them, because in as much as he's absolutely in love with Angela and always has been, he also covets their life.
1: Yeah, their, like, normal, seemingly happy family life, which actually is pretty normal. Like, they are actually a pretty normal family. They are. And basically happy as well. Yeah. Regular sort of family yeah. You know, things notwithstanding.
0: Yeah, but it explains why he, you know, does sort of connect with Graham later in this episode, but also earlier in the season, and why he, you know, he sort of insinuates himself into the Chase household. Totally. Quite a lot. Um, this episode is obviously probably the episode for quotable quotables, like in terms of single lines. Like, oh my God, yeah. I, I literally couldn't take notes fast enough to write everything down without having to pause the episode so many times that it became annoying. But. The thing where, as the episode starts, we're off camera introduced to Brian's parents, who are two different types of psychiatrists, and they're arguing about whether or not Brian is in latency, (laughs) and by the way... He is.
1: I, P.S. Never... Whichever one of them says he is is correct.
0: Yeah, that's right. But the conversation ends with a line that I can cont- I still use to this day with my friends, with my family, which is "keep living in denial, Bernice," because the fact that her name is Bernice and one Even analyst, more perfect, yeah, is using the, one analyst is using denial against the other analyst who thinks that the sun isn't in latency. I just, it's so funny. Um, yeah. So now we get into brian's head a little bit and And, in spite of what i what I've said and what we have seen about his ability to be a voyeur, he may not be able to be a sexual voyeur, but he is certainly a voyeur,
1: oh, definitely. Or like
0: we have watched him take, you know, photos of people throughout
1: throughout throughout yeah. the show, and then he even admits it at the beginning where he's like, "I yeah. like documenting because it means I don't have to actually yeah, like." Participate basically.
0: Yeah, and I think I can't remember if it was because of this episode specifically or if it just happened to me Independently of this but I had this huge come to Jesus moment right at around this time when I was in high school Because I was also like I was in I was a filmmaker I was into making movies so I always or frequently had my camera around and if there was an event Or a party that people wanted there to be video coverage of, you know, they'd be like, oh, Matt, bring your camera and do it. And I did it for a really long time. And then at some point in grade 12 or grade 13, I I just stopped because I was like, I'm literally not experiencing the events of my life. Like I'm going to these things and capturing them for you all. You know, I'm seeing everything through a viewfinder and I'm not actually letting go of that outside perspective and engaging with any of this so at some point I just drew a line under it and said I'm not doing that anymore so I can't remember if it was because of this like I can't remember if Brian saying in this episode that that he you know liked it because he meant it meant he didn't have to be a part of if that's like what woke me up or if it was something else but yeah I I totally recognize that
1: that's really interesting I was thinking while while watching that like as he says that I was like that's all of us now. Yeah. <laughs> That's everybody now. Yeah. Like videotape or not videotaping, but, you know, but like I mean, recording on their phone. Yeah. Uh, you know, the concert that they're at and looking at it only through the screen or taking a million photos instead of, yeah you know, actually doing whatever thing it is that they're doing.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I guess to an extent, we've all become a little more facile with the technology where we don't feel as distanced from it. But I'm like when I'm at a concert and I see someone periscoping the concert, I'm like. <laughs> What is the purpose of what you are doing?
1: Yeah, come on, guy. Like you
0: are here. This is happening now. Yeah. <laughs> you don't don't broadcast it, don't record it for later. You are right here, and it is better than it could ever be. Um yeah. So, you know, we talked in the show. I think this episode we by by its very nature will have to be somewhat confessional for me because we've certainly talked about the degree to which when I was in high school, I certainly identified with Brian. Now that I'm older, I kind of I'm distancing myself from brian a little bit but i can certainly see aspects of myself in the character nonetheless which might be why i'm having such a big problem with him but who knows but so as we go through i may have to uh admit a few things but but now the <laughs> i
1: can ab- hardly wait <laughs> <know. laughs>
0: I, I don't even know what i'll admit but we'll see um delia shows up delia fisher yeah so new character does have a couple more episodes in the rest of the season and um Just sort of out of whole cloth, she has decided she has a crush on Brian Krakow and has told Sharon about the crush, and and so Sharon introduces Delia to Brian. I don't know why anyone would Would have have. a crush on Brian Krakow.
1: I was thinking that same thing. I thought, first of all, how did she even notice Brian, who obviously tries as hard as possible to stay out of the picture? Yeah. And B, what made her interested yeah. in someone who is so unlikely to have interacted with her or interacted with anyone around her yeah. in a way that would i don't know even give you a hint about what he's like or what he's about yeah like, it and just seems like how would you even know exactly that you like him unless you're just like a blonde curl fetishist that th- could be it which could very easily be it
0: or you know to be fairer to Delia <laughs> it's also possible she just likes smart guys and she's they, they totally say that fair. she's new to the school right yeah. she's new yeah yeah so maybe she's just in a couple classes with him and he always I mean we know he always has the right answer for everything so it's maybe true. that appeals to her but otherwise like there's a depth of interest there that even at sort of the the teenager hormone level I don't really get
1: <laughs> I guess Brian's cute in his own I way I guess,
0: yeah And and I mean, and here's the other thing that, you know, I don't know if this is fair or not, but I certainly was aware of it as a trope when it aired originally. It's a little bit like I kind of had to recall this to mind watching it this time. But there's also a degree to which, because she is not the standard version of a pretty girl. Yeah. um, I I can't I don't know how much they were intentionally playing with that idea that the slightly kind of chubbier girl with the kind of the crazy hair is 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 into Brian. um, But maybe that's part of it as well, like sort of was, that was kind of an idea back, back then that, that relationships on TV shows were always kind of stratified, you know, yeah. like the pretty people went with the pretty people, the slightly less. pretty. That's why Angela getting together with Jordan always seemed like such a weird level jump to me where it's like, we're supposed to accept Angela as a kind of a plain girl, even though obviously Claire Danes is gorgeous, but you know, yeah. she has to be plain and Jordan is supposed to be like this angelic yeah. model quality super guy, Yeah, you know? So, eh, I don't
1: know. But I guess because he's so dumb and she has, like, more brains than a tadpole, Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe that evens the out. Maybe that balances
0: (laughs) the out. Yeah, absolutely. That's certainly a thing. So, the thing that I recognize here on a personal level with Brian, which I think is the thing he's going to kind of go through in the first half of the episode, is he's got a crush on a girl that he thinks he can't, he's not good enough to get. Like he thinks basically, again, a, is a level up from yeah. Brian.
1: Yeah, she's out of his league. She's out of his league. According to him wh-
0: and. Which is weird because, you know, they live next to each other. They're from basically the same social circles. the have known each other a long time. Class. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But for whatever reason, he has identified that Angela's out of his league. She's an unattainable. And so here's this other person that he has actually no interest in at all. But who is attainable. And this is going to be the struggle for him through this episode is sort of like, should he take the person who wants him, even though he doesn't want her? Or, or should he, you know, accept his uh, outsider status and sort of keep waiting for something more organic with either Angela or with someone that he actually does like? I guess I don't think he even considers that possibility that maybe he'll meet someone he does like. Yeah. Uh, but I remember that sense of pressure. And I'm almost ashamed to, to say that I think it actually probably affected some of my decisions around dating in high school, which is that luckily I can't have the one I want, but there is someone who's available to me here, and I don't, it's not like I dislike this person, I just never thought of them that way, so I'm just going to sort of move in that direction because it's available to me, and there comes a point, I don't know if it's just a teenage guy thing or if it's just life, but there comes a point where you're like, if I don't start getting some wins on the board. Like, if I don't start getting some actual experience with relationships, I'm going to fall too far behind to catch up. You know, like, I'm just missing that whole perspective.
1: Yeah, and that, and that's totally Brian's experience, too. There's, uh, I forget what exactly the line is, but when he's with, he, it's, like, some point early on when he's with Delia and he's like, I guess this is what people... Like mean when they talk about life, yeah, it's like oh, yeah. oh honey, you you literally feel like you're not experiencing life at all, yeah, and in a way he isn't because he's so kind of in his head in his head all the time, but also that's heartbreaking,
0: yeah, it is, and I, I mean, so I see two sides of it, like on the one hand, I see the whole. Pressure to get, and I don't mean, I don't even mean sexual experience. I just mean real relationship experience. Because, from my own experiences, one of the things about being someone who's really inside your head and very theoretical about how romance and love should work Mm -hmm. is there's an incredibly wide delta between those ideas and actually dating. Right. right, and that those I've, i as, as at least again as far as I'm concerned, those two paths diverge. They continuously diverge unless you intentionally kind of steer back in the other direction. So, I think it's very good. It would be very good yeah. for Brian to shut up with his head for a minute and actually go on some dates yeah. with somebody and find out. You know, really interacting with a person is not actually as as what I thought. Like, get some real perspective on it.
1: Yeah, maybe even giving himself give himself a chance to get to know and like someone yeah. in real life as yeah. opposed to just theoretically, which is what his relationship with Angela is yeah. largely like.
0: Yeah, well, would it be fair to say this based on the way these characters behave on this show and basically on my own experience as well, until you've had dating experience, you kind of... That whole idea of getting to know somebody and maybe there's something there, it kind of doesn't occur to you.
1: Totally. Right?
0: Like you have the person you have the crush on, and it's like I'm gonna come up with some kind of a scheme <laughs> yes. to put the two of us together and and the feelings will become mutual and everything will be fine. That idea of like what dating actually is, which is okay, you're a person who you know, fulfills a portion of the criteria. Let's see if let's explore that and see if you can fulfill more of the criteria.
1: Yeah, totally. That doesn't,
0: that doesn't occur to you when you're a teenager.
1: No, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that only starts occurring to you once you've had real dating experience. And then you realize that what is actually satisfying about spending time with people is not the way that they look from 10 feet away. Right. (laughs) It's like, Right. Qualities you might not know about until you spent some time with them.
0: Well, exactly. And that's the thing that we were we we've been criticizing Angela about this whole time is that she's basically invented a Jordan in her head that is not the real Jordan. Yeah. Brian has obviously I mean, Brian probably knows Angela better than Angela knows Jordan.
1: Yeah, I would say so. I mean they seem to have known each other a while. So he probably actually knows her pretty well, but she's fighting her own. Identities so much that like
0: (laughs) that's a good way to put it. (laughs) Yeah, you know. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's bound. I feel like in her case, even if Brian was a super cool, awesome guy, she would probably still run from a relationship with someone who knows her really well because she's trying so hard to reinvent herself.
0: Yeah, that's actually that's a really that's a good way to look at it. Like Brian almost suffers from the same thing that Sharon suffered from at the beginning of the season, where it's like she wouldn't want to be around Brian because they do have that history. Yeah. And so she's jumping to something else. Yeah. So speaking of jumping to something else, this is the beginning of the Angela Plot's plot of this <laughs> episode where Rayanne and Ricky and Angela... So there's there's going to be a dance, the world happiness dance. and um,
1: Sharon's organizing it. Of
0: course Sharon's organizing it. Because she
1: cares about school spirit. Of course. And nobody else does. Because
0: Sharon... I mean, I will say this many more times in the next few weeks. Sharon's the best character, the most well-rounded character on the show. She's actually, of all of these people, the most down-to-earth, pragmatic, learned-through-experience character.
1: Yeah, she's the one she's- that you would hope to have as your own teenage child because she's actually grounded and reasonable yeah. as, as much as a teenager can be. Yeah. And everyone else is just flailing.
0: Yes, exactly. So Rayanne and Ricky and Angela are now hatching. They, they discuss potentially letting Brian ask Angela to the dance just so that she can be there just in case Jordan shows up. Yeah, And then they discuss whether or not Jordan would ever actually go to a dance, which maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. But then the guy walks in.
1: The guy
0: named Corey, the ambiguously sexual guy who actually is, this time watching it, seems to me so dumb that I think he gives Jordan and Kyle a run for their money (laughs) in the total stupid cow-eyed... Like, just, there's nothing going on behind them them lampshades.
1: But he's artistic. Oh, Have yeah. you seen his shoes? I
0: have seen the shoes. He paints. I can totally see why Ricky immediately falls in love with him. I'm not saying that's not a thing. But, like, actual things he says in this episode, I'm like, oh, my God, child. What's going on in there?
1: I guess everyone on this show needs a really dumb person to have a crush on. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's what it is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, I mean, I have a personal disposition against people named Corey. There are some people in my life named Corey who are wonderful people. I'm not talking about them, but there are also, there there have been Corys in the past that I'd kill if I could. So maybe that's why I don't like this Corey. But... (laughs) (laughs)
1: You know? I never really thought of you as a man who might have an arch nemesis, uh, oh, Matt I have, Brown, but I, now, I have f- now I feel like you yeah. actually have nemeses. Yeah, I,
0: I do have, I have multiple nemesis. I don't have, I don't get hate out a lot, <laughs> but when I do, you know, there's like three or four people, one of whom is at least one of whom is named Corey, where it's like, yeah, I'd throw you off a bridge. I'd light you on fire and then throw you off a bridge. Well. Wow. If I could, but I can't, so I won't. <laughs> and by I can't, I mean, I would go to prison and it wouldn't be worth it, but whatever. Uh, so Brian, we're in his mind and he's overanalyzing and he's doing his, th- like, I mean, the, the the monologues we hear in Brian's head pretty much confirm everything we've known about him
1: up yeah. till now. Like, yeah. We were not wrong about Brian. Yeah. Nobody watching was wrong about Brian. Yeah. He, he is that guy and, but like actually hearing him express it, I think gives him more dimension and makes him more sympathetic because yeah. you realize how actually kind of sad it is or how Lonely it is to be that much in your own head and that much just incapable of acting. Yeah. Even if it's in your own best interest, like just just can't do anything. Just
0: walled in in every direction by his own endless series of psychobabble analytics. Like there's that point where he's trying to walk up to Delia in the hall to ask her to the dance and he doesn't move, doesn't talk, and you hear his voiceover go,
1: speak! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then the bell rings and and she leaves
0: and it's over. But in the meantime, for whatever reason, Brian goes over to help Graham put up the wallpaper in the bedroom.
1: I love, I mean, I get that he sometimes shows up at their house just as an excuse to see Angela, Yep. but I love that he ends up hanging out with Graham. It's beautiful. (laughs) It's the best.
0: It's beautiful. And I think I've said this before, but I'll say it again. One of my favorite things about television shows in general is that the format, because it's long form, is elastic enough that over time you can just come up with weird reasons to put characters together that really shouldn't be together You know there's really in the in the in the show Bible. There's no reason that Graham and Brian should ever interact
1: Yeah, I don't know anyone from my teenage years who just hung out with the parent of a friend of theirs yeah like casually on their own just hanging out doing stuff you know yard work or whatever like that's just not a thing I think most people do not do that I mean I guess if you're next door neighbors it's more likely you might run into the person more often because they're right there but Mm But that's not a, it's not a thing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And yet it's a delightful thing. It's a
0: delightful thing. And Graham is home, you know, figuring his life out. And we've previously identified that Graham wants a son and doesn't have one. So, you know, there's, they're both going to get something out of this.
1: Yeah, there are worse worse options than than Brian as a occasional surrogate son.
0: Absolutely. So again, another favorite line, uh, talking about lining up the, uh, the flowers on the wallpaper pattern. And Brian says in my room, one seems a little off and I stare at it constantly. It's like destroying me. <laughs> I, I, that is one of my favorite jokes of all time. The idea <laughs> that Brian literally lies in bed looking at a mismatched wallpaper and it's killing him inside.
1: I can kind of relate. <laughs> oh,
0: absolutely. We can all relate. There's always that <laughs> thing where you're just like, Oh, Why? So, we get into this very complicated wallpaper metaphor
1: where Brian tries to basically ask Graham what he should do about girls. I um, love this whole conversation. Yeah. I especially love the way that Graham sort of dumbly says, uh, It depends on how much you need wallpaper. You need wallpaper.
0: <laughs> and Brian, to his credit, says pretty badly. Yeah. Which, again, I don't know if he's talking about sex or if he's just talking about, I need some experience with girls. But either way, I mean, at this point, I think we could safely assume Brian's not even had his first kiss yet.
1: Yeah, I would imagine you know? not. And 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 in that conversation, I honestly felt like he probably just is talking about basic human companionship at this point. Like, he's just yeah. talking about, like, a person who gets him and who he gets to spend time with, and it feels nice. Yeah. And not even really that much beyond. Yeah. Sure. Because um, he, yeah, I don't know, Brian, like, I have a hard time even seeing brian as a sexual character like mm-hmm. as a sexual person yeah because he just seems so he's a so inexperienced and be so closed in that it seems like it would probably take him a while of yeah. even dating before he would be ready mm-hmm. for that regardless of what he thinks he wants like i, I feel like brian would be oh yeah On a a slow path.
0: I I would, I mean, maybe I shouldn't be speculating wildly about these people, but I I would argue that Brian is one of those guys who does masturbate, but incredibly infrequently because he generally thinks it's not something he should be doing. (laughs) So he's basically fighting the urge for like weeks at a time and then... You know, it, caving to the inevitable, as it were. And then probably feeling bad about it for a little while. And then, you know, going back to self-denial. I think Brian probably thinks self-denial is a very noble thing.
1: Probably, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so he goes to Big Guy Burger, where every guy is a big guy,
1: <laughs>
0: to ask Delia Fisher out on a date. And um, and there's this, there's this thing where... As they're out, so she, you know, like kind of sloughs him off a little bit. But then she goes out to meet him in the parking lot, and they they do have some kind of an encounter where basically her hand touches his hand while she's handing him a bag or something like that. You know, like it's nothing.
1: Yeah, um, it's nothing, and yet it's meaningful.
0: Oh yeah, it's meaningful. But this is when I kind of start to wonder about Brian's psychology. Like, is he actually autistic, or like is like no, I'm serious because it's like. He's breaking every event down to microscopic components. Like there's a thing where he mentions, "Oh, there was a car alarm playing somewhere else, and I, you know, it sounded wonderful." Like he's even in the moment, every molecular element of what's happening is being processed and rendered. Yeah, I don't think tiny little packets.
1: I don't think Brian is capable of being in the moment. Yeah. Without analyzing it in his head, like if he's not able to distance himself by just looking at it through his camera or whatever then he has to find some other way to step outside of it, because I don't think that he feels comfortable actually being in the moment. Yeah. If the moment is something that is like has the potential to be meaningful in some way. Yeah.
0: And I mean, based on his reactions in this scene and in a later scene, I think we can say that he does actually like Delia. Like, he would never have looked for this opportunity, but it's not, again, he's not doing this for crass reasons. He actually... The idea of dating this girl does appeal to him.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Just not as much as dating Angela. Of course. Which will create problems. Um, Hey, let's check in with our old friend, Rianne Graff. Hey. Who is apparently uh, 10 days sober at the point of this episode. So clean you could eat off her. (laughs) Absolutely. And it was weird because, you know, it has been a while since we've done the show, so it's been about three months since I've watched an episode. I kind of completely forgot that this monumental event happened in the last week's show where she went to get stomach pumped and, and so forth. Yeah. Um, something that I probably didn't get the first time I saw this episode, but I get now is when Rayanne comes out of the guidance counselor's office and, and says that she, when she was asked if she was going to the dance, she just broke down and cried, um, which she plays off as though, oh, that's weird, random. And I kind of always accepted it as, oh, that's weird, random. And I'm like, oh, no, she must, she's actually probably devastated. Like she is basically completely broken.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. She's, she's having a rough time. Yeah.
0: So I feel uh, kind of bad for that. I do, however, like the fact that immediately post-sobriety Rayanne is actually kind of a better person. Like Ricky's talking about asking this other girl to the dance basically as a beard and Rayanne's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you want to go with this guy. I'm going to figure out a way to yeah make that happen now of course she does fuck it up because because she's Rayanne. she's Rayanne, but at least she's she's not quite as deep in the layers of self uh denial to use the brian term as <laughs> she used to be like she's a yeah. little bit more on the level now and
1: her heart is in the right place like yeah. she, wa- she wants she wants ricky to be happy yeah you know she wants to help
0: she wants everyone to be happy at this point i'd almost say maybe she's kind of given up on her own happiness and she's trying to push everyone else towards yeah what they want because she has no idea how to get what she wants
1: that's a really good point
0: yeah so speaking of people who are just trying to do the right thing patty is um actually doing the right thing in this episode even though it seems for the longest time like she's not so she's little worried about the wallpaper thing but in the meantime she's come she's found this adult ed course around cooking that she thinks graham should go to yeah and and she's right she's actually right
1: he should go to it
0: yeah totally it's a good idea even though it takes like three different scenes and she eventually signs him up uh for him without his permission or knowledge um patty patty's Nature, which has been a source of problem till now, actually works in both of their favor here because her inability to not be the alpha uh, wins. That's right. Nets out properly for once, which is kind of cool to see. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting to see how much Graham fights this idea. Yeah. Which clearly seems like something that he will enjoy and is tailored to his interests and is a good idea Mm -hmm. and isn't just another job that he's going to hate is actually like a fun, enriching thing that he, yeah, you know, that isn't like an, it's not a chore, yeah. <laughs> um, but he's really grumpy about it. And yep. he, you know, kind of first isn't a huff about how it's not the fancy culinary institute that he wanted to go to. It's mm-hmm. like, well, we can't afford that, but we can afford this, which is a very reasonable yeah. way to look at it. Uh, but still, he's so, he's just so sort of dismissive of the idea and defensive about not wanting to sign up what's going on there
0: well so what is interesting to me about this is that he has this thing where he says i don't like to cook it's just this thing i've always been able to just do which suggests to me that even though at some point in the past he identified that he wanted to go to a culinary institute which suggests he's at least given it some thought there's a degree to which i don't know that graham has entirely landed on the like the identity marker of oh i'm I, this could be a part of who I am is I could be like, this could be my thing.
1: Yeah. Like this could be what I actually do.
0: Yeah. Like this could be, this, this could be Graham chase. You know, I could follow this thread, you know, he sort of just sees it as kind of part of his life, but he doesn't necessarily see it as an opportunity. Whereas Patty actually does, which is weird because you wouldn't have think you wouldn't have thought that for the first 10 episodes. You wouldn't have thought that Patty ever even noticed that Graham is a particularly good cook. Everyone else mentions it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. It's like they make a point of it throughout the show. Like we notice, the audience notices because it's a thing. Yeah. Um but yeah, you get the impression that maybe she doesn't notice or maybe she's grateful that he, you know, takes on that part of the household duties or whatever, but yeah. it doesn't seem like she's really aware that it's his particular talent. Yeah. Um but clearly she is. Yeah. Um but it's interesting. I don't know. I just found it interesting that he didn't even want to do it just because it would be like a fun hobby thing to get out of the house and mm-hmm. do, you know what I mean? Like not even as a career move necessarily, but just as a, you're sitting around doing nothing. Why don't you get out of the house and do an activity you like kind of thing?
0: Yeah. I don't know. So, I mean, as a person who has at various points taken pauses from his career to sort of figure out what to do, I will say that the inertia does take over really fast and you do not notice. True. Like people have to sort of stop you and say, Hey, by the way, (laughs)
1: you haven't done anything in a long nothing. time.
0: <laughs> and I know it seems like that's okay and it doesn't hurt and that's fine. But that's you know. true.
1: I only notice in retrospect, but I, I know that I am more productive when I am busy, like when I have a job and, or am busy mm-hmm. with things than when I have all, like clear my time in order to like work on something that yeah. is, that is the time when I'm guaranteed to not actually get anything done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think Graham is a little caught in that at yeah. this point. So, uh, Jordan and Angela are chatting, which is weird. Like when you think about it, the na- they have now reached the point where they have a relationship that is social enough so that they can actually they chat. Can just kind of chat. Now, I mean, technically they almost went on a date that one time. So, I mean, they, they certainly know who each other are and, and so forth, but yeah, they, they chat about how lame dances are and, and they're right. By the way, I don't think we've talked about this, but, but did dances, school dances fill you with any kind of unholy dread?
1: <laughs> you know, heart? it's, it, i was trying to remember i do remember going to at least one school dance and i went to my prom even though we didn't call it prom i think we just called it like the formal or whatever Mm -hmm. um but i def there was definitely a point at which i stopped going to school dances because it was no longer cool or whatever to go to them Mm -hmm. um and I don't remember if that was grade 11 or 12, but there was a, a point at which I no longer went to school dances, even though lots of people did,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even in my grade, like it wasn't actually universally uncool. I just decided that it, like, I didn't go to dances anymore. But when I went to them, I don't know that they filled me with dread, but they definitely were kind of an anxiety creating thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: because it was... and. The one thing that I will say that I, I don't know if this is an American thing or if my school was just different from all other schools, but it was never an issue whether you had a date to the school dance when I was in high school. Yeah. People just went with their friends. Right. Almost everyone went with their friends. The few people who were actually in relationships went with their boyfriend or girlfriend most people did not care about just finding a date specifically for the purpose of going to the dance that was just not a thing so i found it interesting that even among the like outcast portion of this high school even you know people like angela and ricky care about having a date in order to go to the dance Mm -hmm. it just seems weird it like i felt like really would you actually care about having a date to the dance or would you just Go with your two friends that you hang out with all the time, anyway. Like a bunch of weirdos. Like that's what you do for every other activity. Why not this?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think sometimes when I see stuff like this, I think, okay, this is this is people who grew up in the 60s and 70s writing for teenagers in the 90s, because yeah. it's obviously the same thing at my school. We had semis, which were dances, and formal, which was the prom. Yeah. And yeah, it if you so there's a few things that are weird. One in this episode. Apparently boys still have to ask girls like Delia can't ask Brian. Yeah. Angela can't ask Jordan, which is weird. She has they, these people have to trick other people into, <laughs>
1: into, asking, into them. asking them because the way you get into a relationship is by scheming. Yeah, and tricking exactly. someone <laughs> exactly. That's how it works.
0: And, and then further to your point, Sharon is angry at Kyle. For not asking her to the dance, whereas yeah, when I was in high school, if you were in a relationship, if you were going steady, as yeah. they would have said in the fifties, of you that it would it would be weirder for you to stop them and say we're not going to the dance together. Yeah, you know, like obviously you're going to go to the dance together.
1: Yeah, that whole conversation between Sharon and Kyle, I was like, really? Does he have to ask her their boyfriend and girlfriend? They, yeah. It would be assumed. By both parties, I would think that, of course, they're going to the dance together because that's how all high school relationships and work. relationships later in life also work. If you're a couple and you know that you are a couple and both parties acknowledge that then when there's a social event you go together go together you don't need to be asked
0: <laughs> why else would you be a couple I mean yeah. there's a lot of other good reasons but that is one of the reasons um, and then yeah the thing we're like again for semis so here's a great example of what I was saying about you know needing to get perspective get experience because it moves you along so I found dances terrifying right up until I started to really go to them and then they were the things I kind of looked the most forward to uh, over the course of the school year because once I, first of all, I wasn't you know, dating anybody and I was, certainly wasn't getting laid. So dances were the only opportunity really that I had to get any physical contact with women at all. So of course I was looking forward to them. Sure, And, and two, there was no social pressure around them because no, you, know, you didn't ask someone to a dance. You went with your eight friends and then the girl who you have a crush on is there. You could ask her for a slow dance and it wouldn't be weird. Yeah. Like it's the expect the slow dance would start everyone would pair up and you'd just be like if you were within 10 feet You could kind of just go over and be like you, hey, you wanna you wanna show uh, you know, that? Totally that's by the way exactly how I would do it
1: <laughs> But that's actually like how dances worked in my mind yeah. like dances were an opportunity for a very low-pressure Interaction yeah where you could just dance with someone and and barely have to say two words to ask them if they wanted to dance with you because you could just kind of be standing near them and kind of just start dancing and yeah. it would be fine. But all of the pressure of having to ask someone, like that's yeah. that's crazy. That didn't happen in my day, yeah. which also was Angela's day. So I feel like that we was just all a had the same day. mistake of the, uh, the writers, of the writers yeah. for sure.
0: So one of the things that I thought was really interesting in the scene with Angela and Jordan is that this is kind of the first time that, maybe this is the first time this fully occurred to me, I'm sure it's in the previous episodes, but Angela seems to think that Jordan uh, wouldn't want to go to the dance because he's this really authentic person and he would think that it was stupid that they're trying to do a dance for world happiness. (laughs) Whereas the real deal is that Jordan is an idiot, so he doesn't know or care about anything.
1: Yeah, he doesn't even know that there's a dance. Yeah. And... You get the impression that he doesn't even think that dances are lame or not lame. He just has no opinion. He's not aware that it's happening. Then he ends up showing up with his friends anyway. Like, he's just drifting through the world. world. Yeah.
0: He's a pot-smoking half-burnout who is basically semi-conscious most of the time. Yeah.
1: He has... No opinions. No
0: opinions. Exactly. So Literally it's, none. So again, in terms of constructing personalities, it's kind of funny that Angela has this idea that the real problem is that Jordan is this really deep person.
1: Yeah. And it's that like he way too cool to go to a dance. Yeah.
0: And whereas, you know, Jordan's just kind of an idiot. And he, <laughs> it, he <laughs> proves that with his little, whatever happens, happens philosophy. Um, oh my god, that philosophy is so stupid. To which Angela's like, I gotta say, I really respect that. And I wrote in my notes literally, good lord, these two. <laughs> like, at this point in the season, I'm like, they actually do deserve each other. They are both so out of it. Yeah. So just off model for what each other is actually thinking or going through. They have no idea. So yeah, go off together, Jordan and Angela. Yeah. Have fucking fun. <laughs>
1: guess what I will never respect Yeah, a life philosophy that is centered around not making plans. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to work out for you.
0: Yeah. By the way, I'm a Virgo, so I have no ability to deal with those people at all. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I'm all for being spontaneous once in a while. That's great.
1: Sure. If but you if you could declare you know, what
0: week you'd like to be spontaneous, you know, that will help me get ready for spontaneous week.
1: <laughs> I'm all for people being spontaneous if they don't wish to spend time with me. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. They can totally be spontaneous and maybe I will run into them, but probably not.
0: Yeah. It's, it's funny the number of people, and I'm not picking on anybody, but the number of people who will get in touch with me at like 4:30 on a work day and say, you know, Hey, do you have plans tonight? And I'm just like, yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause it's you today. Can't give me an
0: hour's notice for what I'm going to do in an evening on a weeknight. Like that, that, might, <laughs> that
1: might work one time out of a hundred. Yeah,
0: Exactly. And to There's be perfectly totally honest, like, even if it's a night where I technically don't have plans, like I was just going to go home and you know I had stuff to do at home, I'm pro- unless I really need to, I'm probably not going to throw that over to go hang out with somebody because I have plans the rest of the night, you know? And this yeah. was like my night to do laundry or something like that. And if I don't do laundry, I don't have laundry, you know?
1: I'm totally with you on All right, that.
0: good. I'm yep. glad we're of the same mind there. <laughs> So another quotable line. Finally, an erection from actual physical contact.
1: <laughs> oh, so adorable. Bless and sad. him because she Bless just his little heart.
0: touched his, his hand. hand
1: over a microscope yeah. and he loves science so it's yeah. even more romantic i know it
0: is kind of romantic yeah. i don't know if i just had a very different Willie from those that are referenced in pop culture in general <laughs> but i really didn't have the problem in middle school and high school where you'd say have to cover your crotch with your books as you're walking down the hall because you had some enormous tent happening i certainly didn't have a thing like if i was slow dancing with a girl i wouldn't have to like position myself out of the Didn't, way like, so the that way. she wouldn't know that that was going on. I'd be too goddamn scared to get a boner while I was slow dancing with a girl. <laughs> like it takes time to uh, work up to that level of comfort.
1: Yeah. I guess uh, I never really thought about it cause it's not the same for girls, but uh, I feel like any, for me personally, any part of that kind of a physical response that might be like out of my control would be like immediately mitigated by my own anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like those things would cancel each other out well, and it thing. would just never happen because I would I would be like too yeah. freaked out. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, it's like, I, I don't know. I guess I just have a, a very anxious physiology because like when I'm on noticeably, like for the first month that I'm dating somebody, I will, will go out and get something to eat. And I'll literally eat like a third of what I order because by like that far in my system is just like no more, I cannot have any more food because I'm too nervous. (laughs) So I'll I'll go in ravenously hungry, and then I will be stopping to be ravenously hungry like three bites into my meal. So who knows? Um, We do finally arrive at the moment where Brian does ask Delia to the dance, takes him an enormous amount of work. She actually eventually does have to ask him if he's asking her, which is the only way that that can uh, get done.
1: she can't just be like, hey, do you want to go to the dance? She has to be like, hey, are you asking me to go Mm -hmm. to the dance?
0: Yeah. And he's in the middle of trying
1: to trick people into into relationships. I
0: know everyone's so around the corner on this thing. And here's another thing while this is happening, Ricky and Angela briefly twigged to this idea that they should go together.
1: Yeah. Because maybe friends can just attend a dance together. What a concept.
0: Yeah. So weird. Except that now, uh, Corey is going to go to the dance with, Rayanne and Ricky which is some this is the outcome of Rayanne's attempt to get Ricky and Corey together but I do not understand how that was intended to work like we don't see the Rayanne Corey conversation <clears throat> but you'd have to think unless Corey is actually out of the closet like actually gay which I don't think there's any indication that he is but if he unless he is he would have to think that Rayanne was asking him to the dance right
1: I have no... Yeah, like, I I would imagine that if Rayanne asked him to go with her and Ricky, that he would think she wanted to go to the dance with him, yeah. but was maybe shy or nervous about asking him, like and therefore was like, hey, yeah. you know, my friend and I are going, do you want to join us? Because that's, like, a low-pressure way to ask someone. Yeah. But, in fact, yeah, I don't know how that was supposed to work. I guess unless he is 100% gay and recognizes that... So is Ricky and she's trying to set them up. But yeah, if, but
0: or like maybe there was some idea that she had that, you know, if she had the two of them together at the dance, she could just use her dark powers to <laughs> sort of wham a jam of them together in a way that made sense and then just sort of fade into the curtains and no one would notice, you know, like maybe she thought she could massage the situation at the dance that so the goal was to just get them to the dance together and then she could figure out a way to yeah. make it work. But then because she doesn't go to the dance, because she can't drink right now or be around parties, um, that doesn't obviously work out. Yeah. Yeah. So now the Ricky and Angela going together thing can't work, because Ricky doesn't want it to look like they're going on a double date with Rayanne and Corey. So Angela, who is now the only person in the group who doesn't have a date to the dance. And again, why is this a problem? But it is. She immediately predatorially almost descends on Brian to see if she can go to the dance with him, even though she knows he's going with Delia. So there's this other weird thing. Like, again, what is this factor where you can only go to the dance with another couple?
1: Yeah, it makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. There's, like, presumably Angela doesn't get a ride to school from Brian every day of her life. So she could just as easily get there on her own as she could for, you know, any other day that she goes there for other reasons. She doesn't actually need the ride. Um, And it's totally, like, I get that Angela is now kind of, you know, feels maybe upset or self-conscious or weird about the fact that she's the only one who doesn't have anyone to go with, whether it's a friend or a date. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. Sure. (laughs) I guess. But, uh, but yeah, but her immediately like glomming onto Brian, even knowing that he has a date is just such, it's like, I know that most of the time Angela seems like she's, kind of unbelievably clueless about Brian's feelings for her. Mm -hmm. But this is one of those moments where it just, it to me felt like a sign that she actually totally knows what's Mm -hmm. going on. Maybe not on a fully conscious level, but she totally knows what's going on and she can't stand to not have the like security blanket of Brian anymore. And the idea that he's interested in another girl who actually likes him back is to... Mm-hmm. much for Angela to be able to actually take. And so I I felt like it was actually predatory. Like it was actually like a sign of jealousy over a thing that you don't r- want, which is totally a teenage thing. It's mm-hmm. totally a teenage girl thing. That's true. Yeah. For sure. Um But yeah, I definitely took it as like a, even though at the end she's like, I'm sorry, I've ruined this. And even though when he comes to pick her up, she's like, where's Delia? Deep down, she... Doesn't want Delia to be in the picture because she wants Brian to come, like running anytime she calls him, no matter what. Because yeah, that's, that's what, he's what there she's for. used to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's
0: interesting. I I, I kind of have a different take on it, but that's actually like that's a scarier and more. You know, this is not a this is not a good moment for Angela right here because there's a few possibilities. One, like you said, she either is actually as unaware of Brian's feelings as Sharon has repeatedly said that she is this season. Although, again, if she's listened to Sharon at all, she'd at least know that this was a theory that was out there. Um, but if she is aware, consciously or unconsciously, of Brian's feelings, either she's cock blocking him, like you say, or possibly worse, possibly better. She isn't, she's just using him because she knows he'll do it. Yep. That like, because he's got the feelings, She can, she can get this thing past the post by just asking for it. Um, neither of which makes Angela look pretty good, but that's okay. Because now in immediate succession, Brian does the worst thing he's ever done. And it's horrible. So to be fair to Angela, she makes it very clear that she knows Brian's on a date with Delia. She's just asking to tag along. Brian, out loud, says, it's not a problem, tag along. So he even uses the words tag along. So verbally, he's acknowledging that he has heard what the situation is.
1: Yeah, but but in his mind...
0: He's interpreted this... He has done what uh, the character of Oz on Buffy the Vampire Slayer would call a radical interpretation of the text. Where he has somehow turned this into... Angela has asked him to go to the dance
1: Yeah, Angela wants to go to the dance with him.
0: Yeah, and so here's the terrible thing that he does He basically chess pieces Delia out of the way like this is how he analyzes the situation. He's like, okay so now the problem is Angela and Delia and I are going and if I can just come up with a way to get Delia out of that triangle then ergo (laughs) Brian and Angela are on a date
1: Yeah. Which is not how anything works
0: in the world ever. It's insane thinking. Like it's such mathematical, emotionless thinking that this is kind of one of those moments where I'm like, Oh, he might be a sociopath. (laughs) Like this is not
1: certainly his own worst enemy.
0: Yeah, certainly. And, but like, this is a total lack of an understanding that Delia is a person and has feelings (laughs) And should possibly be deserving of empathy on some level. Yeah. Like he's just like Delia is now we we have a we have an equation with two ones and a zero and we have to get rid of one of the ones, you know, like that's basically where his head is at. So he does this awful thing where he basically makes up another yet another lie. All people do in this episode is flat out lie about stuff. That they have no ability to conceal at length, right? Like if he tells Delia, "I can't go to the dance," that will be immediately proven false. Even if Delia doesn't go to the dance, which I guess is what he's betting is going to happen, but
1: she'll know he went. Sharon
0: will be at the dance. Exactly. Hundreds of other people will be at the dance. There is no version of this where that lie lasts more than 48 hours. And yeah. people do this repeatedly throughout the episode. They just fucking like later when he tells uh, Angela why Delia couldn't come because their aunt is sick. You know, it's the same thing. It's like
1: you would find you're out you're going
0: to find out probably in 20 minutes. Yeah. Or imminently. at worst
1: tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. At school
0: tomorrow, you'll find out the truth. So to Brian's credit, at least as soon as he sees Delia react to this proclamation, he does feel bad and and decides it's the worst thing he's ever done. He's right. It's the worst thing he's ever done. <laughs> like,
1: it is. It's awful. It's terrible. It's terrible to Delia. Yeah. And it's also just a bad decision for him. But he's not capable of seeing that Angela is actually not interested in him. Yeah. Um, and again, he's not capable of letting himself have a night with a person who likes him. Yeah just to see how that goes because right. it's not Angela and so if there's any chance that it might right. someday be Angela why not just burn everything else to the ground
0: yeah but again we go back to this thing about the theoretical ideas of how relationships work versus real life like again everyone's always trying to scheme to get into a situation like they really do all the characters it's not just Brian but Brian's the worst defender but all the characters on the show really do think that like there's a a tacit pragmatic nature to relationships where it's like okay but if if we just set up the conditions
1: yeah then it
0: goes beyond kind of consent and free will like if we are in a car together we're a couple
1: (laughs) totally if we run into each other in exactly these circumstances yeah then it will happen
0: yeah it's bizarre and to make the scene which is already heartbreaking even more heartbreaking Delia immediately understands what is happening yeah and is actually gracious about it
1: yeah because she's not dumb like yeah. everyone else apparently. Um, yeah, yeah, she's gracious about it and obviously really hurt. Mm-hmm. And then you just think like, God, Brian, you're such an idiot. Yeah, this such is, an idiot. This is a nice person who yeah. likes you and would probably treat you well, unlike everyone else in yeah. your life, apparently. Yeah. yeah.
0: And the other thing that I guess is really kind of hard to understand when you're just starting to date, not every relationship is going to end in marriage you could go on three dates with Delia and you'd be right back to crushing on Angela in November.
1: Yeah. And that would be fine. That would
0: be fine.
1: Nothing wrong with that.
0: Yeah. In the uh, annals of characters in this show who understand what is going on immediately and um, are wonderful because of it. We also have Patty who, as soon as she witnesses the the drama with Angela and Brian in uh, when Brian comes to pick Angela up, uh, I I love her line when she and Graham are debriefing upstairs and she just goes, They are going to have such a terrible time. <laughs> you know, it's just like that. She can tell oh, what's going on it's gonna right be away. Awful. Uh so we finally get to the dance. And school dances on TV. Always a problem. Never they never look right, they never sound right, they never are right. No, it's true. There's no way to do it because you don't have enough. You don't have the budget, you don't have the people, you can't really pull it off. This one's not bad. It's not bad, honestly.
1: Yeah, it's all right. It's yeah. like a little sparsely attended. It's whatever, but it's, yeah. it's okay.
0: And this was actually the first time watching the show that I realized that they pretty much only built a corner of that gym and used it for everything. Yeah. Like, I kind of thought they had built maybe two walls, but no. Like, the little section of the bleachers that bleacher conversations happen on, they're right next to the door, which is right next to the coat rack, which is right next to the stage. Like, basically, it's probably a, you know, a... Hundred square foot set at most. Yeah, you know, it's not much.
1: It's not a gym. That's it's, for sure. It sure
0: is not a, It's not a gym. So, you know good for them um, This is where basically everything kind of just get all the cats get out of the bag So Corey reveals that he was expecting Ryan to come not surprising. That's how he got invited Yeah, he has his stupid little line It's just weird about how you have a thing in your head and then the real thing is different yeah Corey, that's fucking weird isn't it weird how life doesn't turn out the way you picture it
1: and yet doesn't that line speak for everyone in this episode yeah it kind (laughs) of does
0: yeah and then angela and brian show up and, and and again brian's an idiot here's here's what i don't get ricky ricky goes over to brian and how does ricky think how does ricky not understand what's going on I
1: feel like Ricky does understand what's going on, but is maybe just trying to be nice and, or let Brian save face in some way. Like I kind of took that scene to be like, Ricky doesn't actually think that Angela is on a date with Brian because he knows that Angela has no interest in Brian because they are friends. Mm -hmm. But he also probably is intuitive enough to know that, Brian hopes it's a real date and that Brian does like Angela because Ricky's not stupid and he can probably see what, you know, he can probably see Brian pining for Angela.
0: Okay. I hope you're right. And
1: so to just be like, Hey, is it like, what's going on is like a way to be nice to Brian. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but it's, but like, basically I watched that scene and I thought, Ricky's being nice, mm-hmm. but he's not expecting Brian to take him up on it because he doesn't really truly believe that even Brian thinks this is actually a date. Like okay. he's Just kind of like. That is
0: a nicer you know way to I mean? look at it than the thing in my head where I'm like, is Ricky's self-esteem so actually low that A, he has to ask permission to hang out with his friends and B, he thinks there could actually be something going on with Angela and Brian that Angela wouldn't have told him about, like that he still thinks he's such an outsider of the group that it is possible that somehow in the last 24 hours,
1: yeah, this whole Angela thing decided, flipped over. Yeah.
0: And Angela decided Brian Krakow was the one for her.
1: Yeah. Nah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope yeah. that Ricky has more self-esteem than that. <laughs> yep. Yeah.
0: So, um, Angela freaks out at Brian, obviously asking why, Brian would think that they would want privacy and then asks the monumental question, what do you think is happening here? Which, you know, again, from Angela's perspective, I could see why there could still be some credible denial in her head that that Brian wouldn't think that they were just on a date. But at this point, she'd have to at least be on the border of that country.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> mean, know? she should have yeah. really figured that out the moment he arrived yeah. alone to pick her up and... Yeah, I mean, at this point, I feel like Angela is, she has to be aware of what's going on, but she also should be, even though she isn't, aware of the fact that she is largely responsible mm-hmm. for what's going on, because she's the one who stepped in to attach herself to his date when she could see that he had a date, and even when they arrive, she's like, get me a drink or whatever and it's really just so she can scan around and see if jordan's there but mm-hmm. she's but that's a datey thing to do it's not a like yeah when you go with your friends to a dance you're not like hey get me a drink yeah. you get your own drink because
0: that's how friends th- act
1: that's how friends act yeah so she's perpetuating this situation that she doesn't actually want to be in and then when he sort of calls her on it by behaving as though that's what's really going on she's like what do you think is happening here it's like well I don't know (laughs) you wanted to go to the dance with me and you wanted me to get your drink and now you're acting weird about it like go to hell Angela is how he should feel but yeah
0: kind of a little bit but instead Delia shows up and she finally kind of puts it all together which arguably she should have put it all together prior to that but then she has this line oh I hear a baby
1: that might be my baby
0: should we pause the show at this time (laughs)
1: Yeah, maybe. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so Angela has this line where she says, Um, you don't understand people, Krakow, you're so heartless. And on that, Angela, I give you half marks. Because on the first portion of that statement, of course, she is absolutely correct. On on a level that is almost unfathomable, Brian does not understand people. True. On the other half, I would say Brian is actually not heartless. He's capable of behaving heartlessly, but obviously the emotional overwhelm of this moment has basically crippled him yes. <laughs> like, and, and eradicated his ability to make anything resembling a normal human decision.
1: Totally true. And also like he's behaving the way he is because he doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. And Angela arguably has done the same to him. Well, that's, yeah. So she's as heartless as he is. If anyone's heartless, they are equal in that department.
0: Yeah, and I think that she has kind of demonstrated her own heartlessness on some level. Like, again, we don't know really how much Angela has internalized the idea that Brian Krakow was in love with her. But for her to say that to him, that is an intentionally insanely hurtful thing to say to someone whose feelings you know you are hurting by saying it. Totally. So heartlessness goes around there, Angela. Um, And then the weirdest thing in the whole episode happens, which is just this thing with Jordan and Angela outside. So Angela goes outside, and I just don't know, even though they almost went on that date that one time, even though they have persisted in having some kind of a friendship, I don't know how Angela earwormed her way into Jordan's feelings to the degree where he... And I, you will have to tell me if I'm right about this or not, but he pushes her up against a fence and all of these girls that I went to high school with when they saw that were like, holy shit. <laughs> like that was the moment when he's got her up against the fence yes, and asks her, why are you like this?
1: Like how you are. Yes. The moment. The moment. What the fuck is it about the fence? I don't know. It's just what every teenage girl dreams of. Really? Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, that's good to know, I guess. Uh, (laughs) I'll have to keep that in my storehouse of ideas somewhere for something (laughs) I'll eventually write. Um, Oh, and I've I've actually skipped over the Angela Ricky conversation outside as well, where, you know, the worst. (laughs) This episode does not lack for the heartbreak. Um, The saddest thing ever is Ricky musing aloud that it's possible that he just doesn't fit in anywhere. Yeah. You know, that he's, like, fated to be outside all of this. forever. Yeah. And, I mean, again, he hasn't officially come out yet, but he knows that he's not interested in women, and he yeah. knows that that therefore puts him outside the way social events like this work. Yeah. And so maybe he can never be part of it. And it's so sad.
1: It's so sad. Yeah. It's sad, too, that he, that his sense of the world is still so small that he can't envision... A time when he will be outside of this tiny bubble. Yeah. In a world that is bigger mm-hmm. and maybe more accepting and maybe just filled with more different kinds of opportunities that might fit him better than this tiny high school microcosm does. Yeah. Because um, I'd like to believe that we all dreamed about a bigger world when we were teenagers. Like, as much as your own world is sort of all consuming, mm-hmm. everyone. Had some sense of, you know, one day I'm going to move to London or one day I'm going to be a whatever. And like, you know, these things that are a sense that one day the boundaries will be farther away Mm -hmm. and and there will be more chances to try things. Yeah. But he's so he feels so outside that Mm -hmm. he can't even actually envision A world big enough to include him which is really
0: really sad really sad and and you know i think we may have mentioned this prior but i mean certainly when this show was on the air and when i was in high school um homosexuality among teenagers was certainly an was certainly an issue one of the major issues that i think me and my high school class were sort of dealing with like as i think i've told you before uh the first person ever to publicly come out at my high school came out when i was like in grade I think 11. Um, and it was a very big deal, you know, like that there was someone who was out at my high school, you know, it was, yeah. it was a very big deal.
1: There were like two guys that I knew of who were out at my high school and it was definitely a novel thing. Mm-hmm. Like it was definitely like strange and new. Yeah. Um, and like also okay. Like, no, I don't think that they particularly got bullied or whatever. Yeah. No, like it was, it was fine. But it was definitely like a new, strange reality.
0: Yeah, and it was a new area of issues and human rights and all of those things. Exactly. And, and I think that, you know, obviously Ricky's conception of the world is a little bit behind where we are in Bohemian Toronto. Because um, <laughs> right, he doesn't even seem to be able to kind of identify that idea that he could be in a stable enough place where he could come out.
1: Yeah, or like that other people like him exist and mm-hmm. he could find them and they yeah. would accept him because they are like, like him. him. Yeah, <laughs>
0: exactly. That seems to be... Uh, and then in terms of in terms of just heartbreaking moments or and heartbreaking buttons on scenes That is when Ricky lets her go over like, he, the, you know She gives him a hug and it's obviously a huge horrible moment for him But then they see but then Jordan, Jordan Catalano's there and and then Ricky totally is like yeah go. Yeah, you know You're this is you're at least you get a chance and that's you know Yeah, at least that's one of us maybe gets something we
1: want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely
0: yeah. so then uh, Delia and Ricky uh, dance the two heartbroken people go back into the other room and, and have a little uh, dance moment.
1: Yeah, and have the most unselfconscious dance moment that any teenager has ever had at yeah. any school dance, especially yeah. if they feel like outsiders. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely. It's kind of amazing. Yeah,
0: and the look on Delia's face when Ricky goes all in on the dance, like just fucking flails out, like yeah. just the look where she's like, is this happening? <laughs>
1: like, yeah. is this is a real thing. She's like, all right, I'm <laughs> and, in.
0: <laughs> and, and they're dancing to What Is Love, which, you know, went on, I was so angry when Saturday Night Live co-opted that song for those Night at the Roxbury guys. Like two years later, because yeah. it, it turned that song into a joke, and it had been this m- incredibly emotional moment for me in this in this episode. Uh, connected to that song, and I just feel like they threw they, that they song away. It. They ruined that song. They really did. <laughs> um, and and Brian is just kind of standing there watching from the sidelines as all of this is going on. Yeah. And, and Sharon is also watching from the sidelines as she kind of, I think, realizes she doesn't actually like her boyfriend very much, that he's kind of an idiot.
1: Yeah. Which he is, by he the way. He is, yeah. definitely. And, yeah. And, I mean, it's sad for Brian, mm-hmm. but also, like, this is where you should be because you messed this up. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. And then the, I think the most interesting thing is that Angela, who I guess we, you know, again, was my hero on this show when I was a kid, but I now sort of have accepted that she's got some pretty substantial Brian Krakow-ish issues of her own. Mm-hmm. Um, she shows up and basically, I just realized watching this time, she. oh yeah, she's she's in a completely different mood now because she got everything she wanted.
1: Yeah, she got to have five seconds of ambiguity with Jordan Catalano,
0: but very significant ambiguity. Oh, for sure. Like that's going somewhere.
1: Dreamy, dreamy, dreamy ambiguity. And, uh, yeah, so now she gets to
0: apologize and say, she's so sorry. She fucked everything up because you know, she actually, her stupid scheme, as many people as it hurt, it actually got her what she wanted. Yeah. And that bothers me this time, you know, that she's just kind of okay. Like now she's like, oh yeah, now I can apologize. It's yeah. Like, now you know, I
1: can be like, hey, do you want to dance? Brian yeah. Krakow? Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> man whose feelings I toy with on a daily basis. Yeah, Want to dance? <laughs> Sorry I ruined everything.
0: Yeah. And the, um, you know, the, the line in Brian's head about how good her hair smelled right there, which ends a bit clunkily where he's like, I guess it's just her shampoo, which I suppose is supposed to be him realizing that, you know, it, he's basically in love with an illusion anyway. Yeah. Um. But that line does mean a lot to me. But the the way he spits out that he doesn't want to dance with her, like the the vehemence of that.
1: It's amazing. Is
0: That line gave me hope for Brian for the yeah. first time. You know? Yeah.
1: The way he's just like, well, not with you. Yeah. And then like catches himself and is sort of like, I mean, you know, dancing is dumb or whatever. Yeah. I don't care about dancing. Something like that. Because even he can realize how sort of harsh <laughs> yeah. it was. But- yeah. But appropriate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Appropriate
1: response yeah. for once to and, something that Angela does. Yeah,
0: and you kind of hope at the end of the episode that Brian has actually learned a thing or two about that illusory relationship with Angela. But I'm sure future episodes yeah. will, in fact, next week's episode will demonstrate that that is not the case. That is
1: not the case. Which is too bad. <laughs> These lessons are fleeting.
0: Indeed. Um, okay, well, we've gone, you know, it's funny. We, we get feedback occasionally on Twitter that, that we should go longer. You know, that our episodes should be as long, like basically double the length of the episode that we're talking about. I, it's
1: very sweet that people think that. I,
0: I appreciate that very much. We have gone quite long here. We have not yet done our journal entries for uh, the day, but we are going to do them right now. I um, I actually texted you the other day to say that the journal entry for this one is is awesome.
1: I can't wait. I'm and, really and,
0: excited. And it is awesome only because it is one of those cases, where, and I'll explain it a little bit as we go on, but there is a case here where um, it does tie in to the episode, to a degree that is somewhat startling. So, sh- shall I go first?
1: Yes, please. All
0: right. So, 111094. Only someone this depressed could be this hyper. First, I got a great letter of friendly devotion from Sandy. Sandy's back. Which would be great if I wanted to be just friends with her. But the absolutely great no-catches moment came when I went to do Hot Air, which was our morning announcement program, and Paul Molitor was in the principal's office. He came out, we shook hands, and he did what may be the good morning of the century for us. Yes, Paul Molitor did Hot Air. I flew. Later (laughs) on, we filmed Mr. Fox's scenes for the movie, another brilliant cameo. Things haven't been going so well since. I'm getting so sick of the unbreakable patterns. Now, that is the entry for the 10th. I happened to look at the entry for the 11th, and I'm going to read it as well.
1: Please, please.
0: Eleven, eleven, ninety-four. Barbara's back briefly, and she got laid. Didn't I just call that? Anyway, didn't see her much, even with the post-commencement visit to LR. Don't know what that is. And if things aren't getting ridiculous enough, Barbara thinks something's happening between me and Sandy, so Sandy and I spent the whole evening pretending there was. I said it last week, and I'll paraphrase it now. This is really, really sickly funny.
1: Tell me more.
0: I don't know what the more is. But this whole thing, where so a couple so of things. who is Barbara? So first, Barbara was one of our friends. Was, Barbara was our friend in our group of friends who fast-tracked. So she graduated the year before all of us and went to, I think, Dalhousie or something like she went away to college and you know she was this very smart girl who didn't really date in high school at all and I was like as soon as she left at the end of that summer I was like she is so gonna have an incredible quantity of sex like the moment she gets to university because basically (laughs) I guess my theory was that you know it was living at home and and being sheltered that was keeping her from that so I was very excited about that but the thing that I thought was really kind of just lining into this is You know, we, funny that as episodes have rolled out, people have asked, are we going to be hearing more about Sandy? And I always said, of course we're going to hear more about Sandy. She was like, the love of my life. That's when this show was was on the air. Um, so two things. First of all, from the 10th, this thing where I apparently got a letter from Sandy being like, we're the best of friends. And I'm like, I don't want to be your fucking friend. God damn it. <laughs> and then this thing, I don't even know what the circumstances were where we apparently... Uh, no doubt because of well I mean I I guess at the time I would have ascribed it to Sandy's sense of fun but now I'm like maybe because of some of these girl psychology things that you've mentioned in this episode she thought it would be cool for us to pretend to be dating just to spite someone else I guess
1: yeah Yeah. that's the thing I can see teenage girls doing I can see it too like even myself for sure and I can
0: see how much I absolutely would have absolutely done it sure would have enjoyed the shit out of it because of what we were pretending yeah. and would have felt awful later. Yeah, for it sure. Just awful. So that those layers of pretend <gasps> relationship dramas and stuff like that, I was like, Oh, that's that's getting to the life of Brian, Angela Chase, Brian Krakow. Levels of stupid.
1: That's uh. Yeah. That's intense. I am
0: displaced, and yes, also this thing where Paul Molitor just showed up at our school <laughs> yes. one day and did our morning announcements with Neat. me and some of my friends. I was like, that's just that's very cool. This would have been after they won for the no, this would have been a year after they won for the second time. This would have been the, oh, wow the year so like, this was the, the year of the strike. Maybe that's why he was there. Maybe he had nothing to do.
1: <laughs> the year of the strike, a bunch of uh, kids from my high school went down to the Sky Dome and broke into the locker rooms no kidding and stole chewing tobacco because that's all there was i think to steal and uh brought it back to the school and i never tried any because i think even at that time i thought that it sounded gross and stupid to chew tobacco Mm -hmm. but i remember that for like a very brief blip Mm -hmm. all these kids at my high school had chewing tobacco and were like kind of making themselves sick because chewing tobacco is disgusting Um, because they had like gotten it from the Blue Jays locker room and that was like a hilarious big deal wow yeah
0: uh for any of our american listeners or anyone who does i mean first of all i will just preface this by saying i i was a baseball fan for about two and a half years the two and a half years the blue jays were good yeah um but paul molitor was a blue jay when we won our i well we definitely won when we won the second world series i can't even remember if he was on the team in 92 but he was the mvp in in 93 93. as i recall um so kind of a local hero yeah
1: um back when toronto won two world series in a row in
0: a row and i was it by the way for anyone who doesn't know i was at game six in 93 um which was one of the eight best nights of my life to quote graham chase so uh that meant a lot to me as well uh what do you have from a journal perspective for this rough time frame i know your your entries get sketchier and sketchier as we move through november so what do you got that's in the ballpark
1: did i already read this (laughs) i'm i don't remember anymore because i feel like uh our last few was, recording sessions happened literally ten years ago there t- was t- to one, me.
0: One less person on the planet.
1: Exactly, you know. <laughs> and uh, that little person is uh, significant. Sto- stopped crying. Yeah. But, yeah, is is a big deal mm-hmm. in my life. Did I already read the entry that was like a poem that starts with Jerry Rubin died today?
0: I don't think so.
1: Because that is the closest, I think. I
0: think you should read it regardless
1: even if yeah if this is a repeat i apologize to our listeners it doesn't
0: sound familiar but again i have a terrible memory at the for best of time so 20th okay.
1: which is i don't think we closest. would have gone
0: i don't think we would have gone that far into the future
1: um all right so this is a poem or something that i apparently wrote on this day in lieu of a uh regular entry um Jerry Rubin died today and made me feel rotten. Made me feel like everyone always cops out and leaves. And then I thought of Abby, who knew when it was time to go. And I get so angry and frustrated and feel like I'm being watched. And I feel like dropping out and and I think it's easy for you to say... And I think it's easy for you to say, drop out, mister. I got my degree and then became some kind of freak. And then I go back to my normal life and get more and more frustrated and wonder if this pain will ever end. I'm trying to fool myself. It's not working anymore. And as for you, I don't know what to think. One minute, I want you to be with me. And the next, I'm scared or something. And I just don't want anyone to touch me. Fuck the system and all the rest. I need to listen to some Leonard Cohen now and then at the bottom the word y circled wow <laughs> it's beautiful
0: <laughs> it's beautiful by the way i think i might actually have to take a photo of that for a twitter account wow okay wow sorry who's this guy who's jerry rubin
1: uh he was uh, like a like a hippie activist in the sixties. Okay. So, okay. So for context, I was mildly obsessed with sixties activism and mm-hmm. my like number one crush of my teenagers was Abby Hoffman who was, and that would be the Abby. Uh, yeah. So Abby Hoffman actually, I think committed suicide sometime in the eighties cause he struggled with depression. And, um, he had been one of the, he and Jerry Rubin were like founders of the yippie movement. They did a whole bunch of sort of high profile things. They were, um, like big organizers of the protests around the democratic convention in 68, which all went to hell. Like they were kind of notable activists, I guess of Mm -hmm. the time. Uh, And uh, Abby Hoffman continued to be an activist to the end of his life. And Jerry Rubin actually ended up becoming like a wall street guy or something. Like he totally like had a total turnaround and became a uh,
0: completely different person,
1: completely different person. Um, and then I think was killed jaywalking or something, like something totally Whoa. weird where he was like hit by a car while crossing the street or something really random, but like much later. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, they were, they were teenage heroes of mine, but more Abby Hoffman because he was cute and also because he never, uh, copped out. Gotcha. Cool. <laughs> I guess. All right. Well, I that's... was, as a teenager, I was unwilling to accept the possibility that people might change when mm-hmm. they are no longer like 20 years old.
0: <laughs> yeah. Speaking of other things that you really don't get when you're a teenager, that idea that life is long and actually has a number of very different phases in yeah. it where really, you know, your personality morphs can dramatically morph significantly, yeah. Yeah, from one direction to another. And also you could have those weird come to Jesus moments where you just change your mind about certain things and go in a different direction. It happens like pol- all the time. Morally, politically, all kinds of different things. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting all right well that was the life of brian um and what an episode it was uh so here's the thing there's this baby now and it's the summertime here in toronto so what i think we will do my so-called listeners which by the way i cannot believe it took me until this week to realize that people who listen to this show are called my so-called listeners
1: i also can't believe that it's so obvious
0: (laughs) um I think we're gonna go to a bi-weekly schedule going forward just so that we can make sure that we're hitting our dates because I think if we try to do weekly for the remaining nine episodes, we'll just fail. And also, if we go bi-weekly, we'll be around longer. And you'll get to listen to us basically for the rest of the summer. Uh, whereas and if we did nine what we'll better be way by... could
1: there be to spend the summer really
0: exactly. than and
1: anticipating the anticipating next the episode next of this of amazing podcast, podcast
0: life, which is wonderful so uh, we will leave it there for this episode next episode is of course uh, self esteem where issues between Angela and Jordan have quantum leaped quantum leap that that thing at the fence was just the beginning oh my god i'm looking forward to talking about that um so hey you know what congratulations on having a child thank you uh you uh you have done a very good job there it's been and, pretty great <laughs> pretty good you can get uh my socast life on the modern superior network where you can also leave comments modern you can subscribe to us on itunes you can follow us on twitter at my socast life and we will be back in two weeks time to talk about self-esteem Bye.
1: Bye. Modern Superior Media Network.